0: Hardcore. I am hardcore. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Donkey Punch, starring Robert Butler, Cianne Brecken. Nicola Burley, Tom Burke, Julian Morris, Jay Taylor, and Jamie Winstone. Written by David Bloom and Ollie Blackburn and directed by first time filmmaker or first time feature filmmaker Ollie Blackburn. This one was released in the UK in 2008, limited release in the US in 2009. And on a budget of roughly seven hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars, it's made around seven hundred worldwide, only nineteen thousand in the states. It is definitely a foreign film. It is a UK thriller. Brian, why are we talking about a movie called Donkey Punch?
1: Well, Jay, we wanted to do a variety of thrillers and scary flicks for the Halloween time. And you know what, Jay, I have no clue why we're doing this. <laughs>
0: I, I seem to remember some online conversation that led us to both buy cheap DVDs from Amazon. Yeah, and, um, yeah. that had nothing yeah, and, to
1: do with looking for a movie, you know, but, <laughs> at hey. all.
0: That, yeah, we don't need to relive that, but uh, <laughs> obviously we're this is a little different, folks. I mean, we've done, I mean, look, Brian and I have explored some of the dreck of uh, cinema here. We've done No Holds Barred that we... You know, essentially I had to go to YouTube to watch. <laughs> um you know, Leprechaun, yeah, that wasn't that hard to find, but I bought like, you know, five of those for a dollar. Uh this one I got off Amazon for like I think it was two ninety five was what I paid for the D- the DVD. And, and I, I watched it. I bundled it, for it with free. some other
1: stuff. <laughs> you you got it for I free. I got it for free <laughs> it, with Amazon's free streaming because 'cause I'm a prime member, so Oh, see, I had to
0: pay for this. <laughs> yes. And and I watched it more than once. Oh, so uh, we, I did yeah, not. Look, we, we gotta, yeah. <laughs> we got to leave some ground rules here, here. If you don't know what a donkey punch is, and you're <laughs> listening to this, you've probably Googled it already, and you're either turning this podcast off in disgust, or you're wondering, why are we talking about this? The film has a lot of sexually explicit material in it. We keep things... Pretty much above board here. You know how we do things on the film strip. But there's only way to talk about some of this stuff is to talk about it. So no going in. This is an unrated film. And even so, it's a hard R. I mean, this one was made in the UK. And if you don't know anything about foreign film ratings, they're a lot more lenient about things like nudity and cursing than we are in the U.S. They get hung up on a lot of gore and stuff like that the same way we do. But, you know, their MPAA is nothing like ours. So... There's some stuff in here that you wouldn't find necessarily in an American thriller. It's something to talk about, as, I guess, as we go through it, Brian. But I wanted to lay that out from the front. It is a thriller film. No matter how we got here, Brian, it, this is an interesting thriller. It's well-reviewed out there. And uh, so let's take a crack at it and see what it's about. But before we launch through this thing, can you give us a plot summary, please? In a coastal
1: Mediterranean paradise, three women, Lisa, Kim, and Tammy, Meet up with four guys, Bluey, Josh, Sean, and Marcus, and the seven take their nonstop party out to the sea on a luxury yacht. They drink, cavort, and ultimately several wind up on the decks below in a drug-fueled orgy. The big party takes a turn for the worst when Lisa is killed having sex with Josh after receiving a donkey punch, a violent hit administered during Climax. Through the course of the film, the others come to blows over how to deal with the situation. Tensions rise, betrayal and anger emerge, and the survivors turn against one another in a desperate battle of wills until there's only one left alive. That's pretty much the story here, Jay. And now, I I seem to remember here, we were talking and... I think what happened here, why we've, <laughs> we chose this film, is because I was looking through the free films that we get uh, to see as prime members of Amazon.com. Uh, and this one came up, and I couldn't believe that there was a movie by the name Donkey Punch. And we both decided then and there we needed to see this movie.
0: Yeah, we uh, sight unseen without knowing anything about it. And uh, I went into this one. You know, usually when we're doing these films, Brian, I either know a lot of the backstory to them or I go and read a lot of it. I try to preload with information. This one, I decided I was going in cold. So I bought the DVD, got it in the mail, popped it in, and I sat there for 99 minutes. And the first thing that hit me was, man, this film is really British. Like, really British. To the point that if your ears aren't attuned to a little bit of the accent, you miss things. And that's why I had to watch it more than once. Because I missed it, and I even went back and watched like cast interviews and stuff. And out of their acting motif, these people are have serious heavy accents, and you can tell this film was made overseas. And so it, that was the first thing I had to adjust to. And I honestly, I didn't think about that because you and I review Buff the Vampire Slayer, and there's a character on there called Spike that's he has a British accent, and it's a good accent. As a matter of fact, for years I didn't know James Marsters was not British. But it's nothing on the real thing, right? And these people are the real thing, (laughs) and so you know. So I went to this one cold. I knew nothing about it, and I watched it, and then I started to read a lot of the reviews of it. And it certainly got a lot of reviews. I mean, it did played at Sundance. I mean, it's it sort of made the festival bit. I, I threw out its numbers there. They're not terribly impressive, but for a first time film and a very you know fledgling indie British company, they were pleased with it. They like it, and this you know director Blackburn. Is involved in some bigger projects now, some Hollywood projects, and all of these actors apparently are big-time working actors over in you know Britain. So, I mean, this isn't. I mean, for them, this would be like the 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 all-star cast of I guess of a, a show like One Tree Hill doing a horror movie here in the U.S. That's kind of the people that they got. Some of them are a little newer than others, but otherwise, they kind of went after people that folks over in the U.K. know. Interesting. I, so I know nothing about
1: it either. And, uh, luckily I have, uh, several friends who are British. So I've, I've had experience with the, uh, the, the accent quite a bit, um, through work and through f- friendships I forged, uh, through my wrestling stuff. But, um, yeah, I agree. If you're not used to the British accent, it gets hard to kind of pick up some things. And they do use quite a few, um, terms that are not Prevalent here in the United States. So yep. you kind of get lost at times with what they're trying to convey as a message to so but um, I was luckily able to pick most of it up uh, from terms that I've I've heard before from some of my friends overseas and And things like that and whatever I didn't I didn't feel was necessary for me to go find because I could get it from the rest of the context
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, it's it's not terribly hard to follow. I mean this the plot here is pretty simple and so Let's let's start walking through the thing. I mean, because it it's all a setup for what you know is coming. If you know what a donkey punch is, or if you don't, and you you look it up ahead of time, you know going in, you're waiting for somebody to hit a woman in the back of the head in the middle of climax. So you, that the whole movie's waiting for that to happen. And Brian, it's forty minutes into it before that really happens,
1: which is good, yes. you know, because they got to really set the how this comes about. I mean. I I don't think anyone normal goes into a sexual relationship and expects to be donkey punched or, you know, that's (laughs) part of your normal sexual behavior. So you can't just have it happen right away. Right. So I like that they kind of built up to the whole when it happened.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that, because if you see the like the UK version of the poster for this movie, it's this. It looks like a bloody corkscrew, but it's like this bloody boat motor. And it's this. It sort of looks like saw. You know, but my cover of the DVD is these you know gorgeous people that again look like they could be on one tree Hill standing on a beach, and then some bloody water beneath them, you know, and it says the party is going overboard. so it's a different way of selling it like in the u k they sold this thing and it looked like you know, hostile or something like that, but it's really not it it's much more plotting than that kind of movie, it, even though it's got some gore to it, and we'll get to that it it's much more of a suspense thriller and Kind of a, I don't know, it, it, it borrows from a lot of different treatments. I guess we should just start walking through it and then we can hit some of these things as we go, Brian. But you've you got to know, you know, open it up, you're looking at a movie here that's made for less than a million dollars, all right? So it's shot on high-def cameras, which means it looks nice, but it's not shot on film. So you can tell pretty quick that it's it's something that if you knew what you were doing, you could do yourself, You know, so it has that kind of look to it. But it doesn't have one of the standard tropes of the indie film, which is the shaky camera and all that stuff going on, which I really like. It looks nice. You know, we open up on these three women in the hotel getting ready to go have fun. I wrote down going ready to go have fun and and vodka because apparently that's a big part of their lives. And they're talking. And again, I don't understand half of what they're saying. I just know three good looking women who are getting ready to go somewhere. And you got you got the short pixie with the short hair, the tall blonde, and the other one in the bathroom who we we later learn a little bit more about is going through some stuff. But it, you know, we just follow these women into a bar and this sort of Euro trash techno pop is going on. And you know, the first five minutes of this movie are just these people talking and I don't know any of their names.
1: Yeah, I know. It's really kind of uh, introducing the scene that they're part of. I think uh, you know the the party scene. That's kind of going to lay the groundwork for why they would maybe go on this boat. Because, I mean, seriously, really? But anyway, uh, it's laying down that these girls are out to have a good time. They're partying. And it's more, uh, laying down the fact, I think, as we go through this, that the, the, uh, short-haired girl Tammy and the blonde Lee, or no, the, uh, short-haired girl Kim and the blonde Lisa are really trying to get Tammy to have, get out and have a good time, I think.
0: Yeah, it, it looks like, and we were even told later, she's getting over something. Someone cheated. You know, There's a relationship that's broken up, and these girls from London have gone to, I think it's Spain they're supposed to be in, or coastal Spain or something. But anyway, they're on a holiday to try and you know, help her get over it. And I kind of got the feeling that th- this was a an actual holiday that was going on here. There's a deleted scene that sort of alludes to the fact that it might be New Year's. I don't know what the weather's like that part of the country, you know, that part of the world, rather, that time of year. It's cold here, and I'm in the deep south. I know what it's like where you are uh, in the Midwest in Minnesota. So, I mean, I don't know what time of year it is, and it doesn't really matter. But these women are, are on holiday, and they bump into these boys in this bar, and that's when we meet three of our guys. You have Marcus, the tall one. You have Josh, the kind of quiet nice boy and then you got the boy band wannabe
1: yeah big time (laughs) Louie.
0: what a douchebag i mean the second he walks on screen you can smell the cologne and cheap alcohol off this dude
1: yeah he he kind of looks like a cross between joaquin phoenix and justin timberlake right (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you put those two together. Yeah, but
0: like and, if they got oh. their face mashed in by a wall. Well, yeah, but that that's why I, that's
1: why I put Joaquin Phoenix. He's got that lip thing going on. Yeah. And then Justin Timberlake for the, the kind of the bad boy attitude type thing. I don't know. It's just bizarre. He, You knew right away he was big time trouble. The rest okay. of them seem like they're nice guys, right? This guy yeah, you knew was the, the instigator. He was going to be the, the bad guy here.
0: He's the first one talking trash to you. They get the girls out of the party and they start talking about what they do. These guys are sailors. And they're not like in the navy sailors. They work on a private yacht, you know, one of these billion, you know, multi-billion-dollar yachts things, yeah. And what is is it the last weekend they're on the boat and the owner's already left, or what was the setup of that? Because I missed that.
1: Yeah, I was trying to figure that out too. I I, I was trying to figure out they, they were a little upset, like they couldn't take the boat out because they didn't. Like whoever was was it their father who owned the boat? I couldn't quite figure out. What
0: it was? I think one of the girls was, accuses them of that, but they they act like no they they
1: they, no, they just they come out and say that yeah. they're not supposed to to okay. leave shore without permission, right? And then they like, well throw they do no the, I'm
0: talking about the, fa- the the father thing. Oh they're, I don't, one I, don't of the, know,
1: I don't remember that, yeah. but
0: I was gonna say one of the girls says that to him, but then they it, they reveal it, that they just work for somebody. But the point is you're right, they're not supposed to take it out, you know. So they take the girls to the boat, or they want to take the girls to the boat though because. They think it'll be fun, and it, they're trying to impress these girls, right? Which not a bad way to impress them, you know. Multi million dollar yacht, it's a pretty I mean, nice boat, work. pretty nice boat. Yeah, oh, well, it's a it's a sweet boat. I mean, it's a nice, nice boat. But I think it's funny they're walking on the deck, and Tammy doesn't want to go. You know, she's like, I thought it was just going to be a girls' weekend. And what do the other two girls do? This is interesting to to watch how they play this. Kim is like, well, that's fine. We'll meet it with you later. And she sort of made up her mind, right? She's just going to do what right. she's going to do. Lisa's like, ah, oh, come on, you know, come on along. And she's trying to be the supportive friend, but at the same time, she's wanting to have a good time, too. Yeah. So, in essence, they drag Tammy on this boat. Yeah. And, and
1: instantly, in my mind, based on my knowledge of, of other horror films, I instantly think they're going to convince Tammy to get on the boat, and she's the one who's going to die.
0: And because oh, I'm wrong. Okay. See, I read it the, the exact opposite way because it's always the reluctant one that survives in the horror movie, <laughs> and I think it's because I've seen too many horror movies that I know that. See, and this is but why the minute... you're the expert. <laughs> so not not in donkey Bunches. I would like to say that for the record, no, I am an expert would not in horror. I like to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am not an expert in that. I don't want to be an expert in that. Yeah. But and after you find out what it is, you'll know why. But I, I knew instantly. Okay. I didn't know if Tammy was going to live to the end, but I knew Tammy was not going to be the one that died. (laughs) Because nobody that is damaged goods is ever going to die in one of these movies. Mm-hmm. All right? So you knew she she was going to... There was going to be some story to her. They weren't just going to kill her. And then I had to figure out which one of these girls is going to die. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I thought, ooh, are they really going to mess with this and it's going to be one of the guys that dies? You know, because I didn't read that's anything about it. I had there. no idea what was going to happen. Yeah, that would have been really strange. That but interesting? we're not going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> that's Donkey... That's Donkey Punch too. But uh, The Reckoning. But... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we'll we'll get back to that. soon. That's they're finally convinced to go on. Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, really.
0: That one that I don't reckon I want to <laughs> yeah. see. But uh um, Josh gives the girls the tour of the boat. We see that huge bedroom and I'm already thinking like, well, you know, obviously that's where it's all going to go down because why would you show a set like that on a movie made this cheap and not use it again? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, that's all going to happen. So, they decide, let's take the boat out for a little bit. Well, no, before that, Back for a second, so they're pumping the music a little bit, and they we meet Sean, who's the guy that wasn't at the party, but is the engineer. He's Josh's older brother. He's the engineer in the boat, and he seems like a pretty nice guy, but he's older than the rest of them. They drop that that he's the you know he's older, and he's the one that's kind of the buzzkill initially. He's like, hey, we can't crank the stereo like that. The other people in the moorings will get mad at us. You know, we don't we don't we can't get in trouble here. You know, we're about to be off this boat because there's a new crew coming, and. The girls are ready to go, especially Kim, which I think is just funny about her. She's like, OK, we're done then, you know, and then the guys are like, "Whoa, wait, wait, wait. We can't let the hot girls leave the boat. So they decide, let's take it out. What's the worst that can happen, which is always the wrong thing to do, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it's there you go, idiots.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is
1: well, I like how I it mean, is, too. I mean, like she's like, oh, all right, let's just get out of here. This is this is lame. Like really, that's how you're yeah. gonna convince them to do it? Oh,
0: okay. uh, you know, notice what happened? They took the boat out. Exactly. Right? Oh, so no, you go. know that Kim is the impetuous one who can. She reacts off of her emotions, and that is something character-wise you need to know about her mm-hmm. going through this film because it's how she filters everything. Because, you know, are talking about it, they set up these characters really quick. They have to do about what I call two seasons of back work in 30 minutes with all these people. And with seven people, that's a lot of work. So they're trying to get a lot out there. So they go out on the seas, and it's all about having a good time. We get some people jumping in the beautiful ocean, beautiful water. I mean, just I've never been to the Mediterranean, but I have friends that have been. They talk about how gorgeous it was. This looks fantastic. And then... We break out the pills. Time
1: for the drugs, B.
0: Yeah.
1: we <laughs> get we, and, and, of course, this is our bad boy, Bluey, who's taking out these pills, passing them around, getting everyone to take a pill. They half one with, what was it, um, uh, Tammy? Josh, Sean and Tammy, Sean Tammy players, half one. Yeah. Sean and Tammy, they split one. And instantly you're looking, okay, you got four guys here, right, and three girls. We instantly learn that Josh is the odd man out here. And not because... Uh, Mm. I, well I guess he's obviously the odd man out because uh they look at Josh and Sean who I I think are brothers, right? Yeah. And, and basically he says you're going to give one uh to to Josh here Sean and yeah, whatever. So we see Tammy takes a liking to uh, Sean. So Josh is the odd man out here. He's the young
0: one. Yeah, because Josh is, but it's funny, is Josh is hitting on Tammy, but he's so like nervous around her and she's not really into him. She, you know, the thing that I always read that, that I've read that she attracts to Sean is he seems a little more mature and older and like he's not trying to pull anything. So, if she's already hurt and trying to get over it, this is somebody you can party with, hang with, and not necessarily have to hook up. Right. With
1: her. I think she feels safe you know, with him
0: compared to the rest of yeah, them. Yeah. While the mm-hmm. the other guys are all clearly trying to get laid. Yeah. And so are the other two girls. Exactly. So, because exactly. uh, it's pretty clear what's going on here. I mean, everybody's dancing sassy to the Euro trash as they take ecstasy. Yeah. And then. They start telling the nasty story.
1: Well, yeah. So they're all drugged up, and then uh, what? what uh, you know, uh, out of nowhere, Bluey starts talking about the Cleveland Steamer. I'll let you look that one up, urbandictionary.com. dot com. You can let me just tell you,
0: today, but don't don't look at it. Yeah, up.
1: Don't. you don't. You don't need. You to. don't want to know. Don't need to. So he starts talking about that, and then we get around to the donkey punch. And what I find hilarious here is that after they t- uh, explain what the donkey punch is, basically you're having sex with doggy style, and as you're about to climax as a male, you punch the girl and in, in the in the back of the neck so that she tenses up, and it gives you a good orgasm. Right? That's the the theory behind it. Well, that obviously yeah, that's probably not Which there's not very no fun for the proof girl. to. <laughs> But, yeah, which Lisa calls out, right. which I think is funny. What do you get? What's the yeah. girl out of this? What do you care? You and know? of
0: course, Bluey and yeah, Bluey and typical bad boy. Oh, I didn't seem to you know, mind that or don't care about that, right? Because it's it's but it's all about the guy. But it's one of those stories that you've heard told. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and if you apply one iota of logic to that, you realize how ridiculous that is. There's no way that that would work. That does not make any sense. Blunt force trauma doesn't cause tension it causes relaxation of the ultimate kind.
1: yeah exactly you know? and but so, what, I, uh, what i thought was hilarious in this scene was that josh all of a sudden says oh yeah i've done that and they're all ripping on him course. for saying something stupid as that oh really tell us how it was tell us how you did it you know and so obviously is they're that, foreshadowing yeah, uh-huh. that uh this is going to happen soon and that most likely this josh is going to be involved
0: See, that, I'm glad you caught that, because I did not know who was going to do it. Oh, so yeah. You know, ultimately, I didn't catch that the first time. But that's a good yeah. catch, Brian, because that you're right. that They are totally setting it up to where he would be the one that would have to do it. He's got to prove
1: that he's done this before, right? That's what they're going
0: to do. That's right. And b- before that, Brian... We got to get proper hardcore. Yes. This is a term. So if you're taking the
1: drugs and you're, you know, doing the nasty stuff, the urban dictionary, sexual things, the dirty Sanchez, you know, that kind of stuff, you are hardcore and proper hardcore. That's how they explain themselves. Uh, what the hell is that?
0: I, I, there's got to be some british slang but it's Lusty. Lisa who comes who, who calls herself out as hardcore mm-hmm. and now she's been the tease the whole way and of of the three women you know not to be too too chauvinistic here but one of Kim is a really short little pixie petite you know girl short hair tammy's kind of medium build but you know not very tall she's sort of in between Kim Lisa is this tall buxom blonde you know long hair she's you know brick house the whole bit you know and she's flaunting it big time and of course of course they're all high you know and they're high on ecstasy which removes all your inhibitions and so they're they're all high they're all drinking they're out in this beautiful place they're having a good time and then they start taking hits off the russian crack pipe or whatever the heck it is he's got and and it's uh You know, everybody's getting high, except Tammy and Sean, who are too busy being cute with each other. They don't take a hit off the crack pipe, so they're just half ecstasy. But everybody else is taking the hit, and then Lisa drops the line, I'll take you, at Marcus. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting, because then it's time to go downstairs to the big bedroom that we've already walked through 15 minutes ago. Now, we're 35 minutes into the movie, all right? And now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty.
1: Well, and it's interesting because uh, Lisa doesn't take Marcus. She doesn't. She she ends up with Louis.
0: Yeah, which I I thought was weird. Well, before that happens, her and Kim get on the bed together and kind of they make out a little bit. And there's this... There's this little joke where you know, Bluey's got a video camera and they grab that camera and they're like, "Okay, you two guys make out," and the dudes are like, "No way!" It's sort of the reverse American Pie, too. If you right, ever seen right, that. Right. And but but it's not played for laughs, you know, because there's now instead of the techno pop, there's like British slow jam in the back or whatever, and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what that is, but they, you know all that's going on. And that, now what's the weird thing is Josh is on the couch, watching all this go down.
1: You oh know, yeah, and I'm worried he's gonna whip it out and start jerking it on this. And oh, I, see, like, I'm, really? I'm no, so,
0: I so thought they were gonna go there too because oh. I thought this is a UK film. It's it's unrated already. This is a you know a sexually charged moment. Why not? That, that's you know, what it looked like. He looked like he was getting it, positioned for it, and I was like, no, it really did. <laughs> Don't do that. That's, I know. I was like, "Please don't show me that." Even I don't even want the hint of it. But at any rate, Josh winds up with the camera while everybody else starts getting it on. And basically, Marcus and Kim go over to the side and they're doing their own thing, you know, for a while. Bluey and Lisa get it on.
1: So blue Bluey and and uh, Lisa are, are on the bed. They're getting it going, and uh, Bluey uh, Bluey blows it pretty quickly. And uh, she's kind of disappointed because she hasn't, uh, you know, been fulfilled yet. So what's he do? He looks at Josh <laughs> and, and says, now, hey, "Josh, you know, Tag, you're it. Come on in,
0: tag team partner." Now, hold, hold, Boom. hold, hold we got back up for a second though, because that is the total trope of that character, though, right? The guy that talks the hardcore oh, yeah, yeah. can't do exactly. It. You know, he he's probably the least experienced of any of them in in the boat. the The most hardcore people. Can't really keep anything sustained going on without getting weird, because Kim and Marcus are over in the corner going the whole time, yeah, nonstop. Yeah. And this is like a seven-minute scene, oh, you know. Yeah. So it's, I mean, they're implied that those two are fine by themselves; they don't need any other entertainment, you know. But Bluey, Josh, and Lisa, for different reasons, but each because a part of their character, have to come up with different ways to fulfill themselves. So you're right. Josh tags in and they trade the camera out. And now Bluey is watching him go with her. And
1: instantly you see that Josh has had zero experience with this because he's like, oh, yeah, doesn't know what he's doing. He's in shock. He's got this look on his face like, I can't believe I'm actually going to have sex with someone. It's quite interesting, I think. But uh, so he gets going and. It takes – Bluey's basically telling him what to do the whole time as he's videotaping this thing. Oh, yeah, she's nasty. She likes it. She's nasty.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, while that is going on on downstairs, Tammy and Sean are talking to each other up top on the deck, and she's talking about her guy cheating, and, you know, he tries to get her to open up a little bit more, and ultimately she just turns up the music, and they start making out a little bit, you know. But it's way more tame than what's going on downstairs. They're pretty much just kissing and kind of holding each other's faces. Then we go back downstairs (laughs) where Josh may not be that experienced, but he's figured it out. And, it's pretty difficult. he's going along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's got a coach who's telling him to smack smack the bitch up. Yeah. Don't say that.
1: That's <laughs> true. He's basically telling her to smack her around a little bit, make it rough. Smack
0: and... her around. And he is. He's slapping oh, her yeah. and it's you know, she's oh yeah. And then and then Blue's like, You know what to do, right? And immediately, I was like, oh, here it comes. They're setting it up. It's like a it's like a tag team getting ready to do the finisher, <laughs> you know? And there, it's right there, right there, right there. And then, boom, he hits her in the back of the head, the donkey punch. There it is. And, it, I mean, it's like somebody took a record and went,
1: everything stops. Everything yep.
0: stops and go, goes dead silent. And I want to say that was a brilliant move in editing, to have everything go dead stop silent immediately because it's like, whoa. Because that would be a showstopper if the person you were making love to dropped dead instantly. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: you know, or just, just I mean. getting knocked out. I mean, they didn't know she was dead right then. They thought she was just unconscious. And they're like, whoa, what happened? Everything stops. And then uh, I think it's Marcus who actually goes and checks on her and looks up and says, look, she's dead she she's yeah gone.
0: and sean you know josh goes and gets sean and tammy and you know naked people are everywhere checking out lisa yeah and the boys immediately go she must have od'd she must have od'd yeah trying you to know? cover it up so instantly
1: mm-hmm. because yeah i mean was, that, well they don't well, know to, and kim yeah. didn't see anything right she did not see what right, happened cause her cause back she, yeah. she was yep back was facing them and she was getting it on with marcus the whole time so she has no clue what actually happened all she knows is that her friend is lying there Naked. And of course he hits her in the back of the neck and you can't really see the bruising because her hair is covering it up. So she had really had right. no clue what happened here. She's just as confused as everyone else. But we know that obviously Josh, Bluey know, and I think Marcus knows what happened too.
0: Well, he, do, he does to an extent. He knows they were getting a little rough there and then something happened. He doesn't know everything until a little mm. bit later, but it don't take long to clue him in on it. But Bluey knows, and Josh is in denial. I mean, he's, he's doing the typical, he's just like sitting in the corner shaking, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and I, gotta, I gotta say this for Julian Morris, the actor that plays Josh, I don't know him from anything, all right? I doubt I'll ever even see him in anything again. But he had what may be the hardest performance to pull off in the movie. You know, because he's got to go from shy boy to try to fit in to, you know, essentially crazed denial to Mm -hmm. killer in this whole film. He's got a heck of an arc. And this is this turning point for him where he's, you can see the look on his face. I'm going, this guy is already trying to figure out how to get out of this, how to get out of this, how to get out of this. And because Bluey's pointing fingers, he shows the video to Marcus. And that's when the boys now all know what happened.
1: Well yeah, I mean obviously they watched the video back of it and it's uh, quite clear what what caused this. So now they're cu- trying to come up with something to to get things uh, going and they're actually trying to figure out how they're going to keep these girls in line uh before they don't really know what happened other, other than their friend is now dead. What are they going to do? So they're coming up with a scheme to figure out how to to pull this over. A cop, you know, obviously when Sean finds out he wants to call it into the to the co- uh is it the coast guard?
0: I guess the Coast Guard, the authorities, whatever the, the equivalent would be yeah. where they are. Yeah. So he
1: wants to call it in and get, get them out there and just say, you know, she, she OD'd. But because he doesn't really, he doesn't actually know what happened yet. Because the, only the three boys who watch the film know what happened. Then they show him. And now he's like, oh, crap, what do we do? We got to throw her overboard or something and say she, she just fell over. Yeah.
0: Well, Sean starts talking to him and he says yeah, they've got to cover up. The the crime and the evidence because it because they were engaged in sex, you know, it'll look like a gang rape. or or an assault, you know, it will not go over like a game because there's no, you know, there's really no, who's going to, is you going to get her friend to admit that they were doing, you know, crack and they talked about doing this and then all of a sudden they just did it? Which, you know, is actually a misnomer. They just were all having the sexy talk upstairs. Nobody said, hey, let's go try that. It just came about in the circumstances. But again, these guys know they're, they're foreigners in a foreign port they can't get caught because it's lights out for them if they do. So they decide, you know, we've got to do the right thing. we got to try to bury her at sea, you know. And so the, the Sean shuts down the boat. They try to decide what to do. They decide we got to convince the girls to throw her overboard and all that. And here's the thing. They're getting close enough to land for Tammy to try to make a call on a cell phone. And then they turn the boat around. So they got to go back to there. And they act like Louie throws the tape overboard. Now, did you think he had actually done it there? Because no. I actually did. I thought, okay, that's the end of the. Oh, time. absolutely. Okay, not. I figured he didn't do that for
1: sure. He's got a. They're all in cover your ass mode, right? Every one of them. So now, he's got his evidence that it wasn't him. Just in case something ever comes of it, and I, I figured it would resurface at some point.
0: Well, I, it was a good call for you because I actually thought that was the end of the tape. But I didn't think, I didn't know the rest of the film was going to hinge on that tape. <laughs> but a lot of it it's does, oddly enough. That little, that little tape gets a lot of, lot of. He gets as much screen time as any of the actors. <laughs> I wonder if it took a salary. But you know, they, they go through this whole bit. Yeah, you know, this is true. But uh, you know, Marcus is trying to tell them that they're trying to come up with the story of she had too much to drink and she fell overboard. That's going to be our story. That's going to be Mm -hmm. our story, you know? And as they're wrapping her up, Marcus and Sean find the bruise in the back of her neck from the donkey punch. So they know for sure that's, that's what got her, you know, and they're wrapping and Josh is pondering about, He's talking about we got to be in international waters to avoid Mediterranean prosecution. This boat is is registered in Panama, so if anything ever if we're in international waters, we have to go back to Panama. There's really no law down there. But he's like scheming up ways to get out of it. He's coming up with the glove It does not fit. Well, and quit. he's he's got it's all like he says. is
1: registered in Panama. There, it's easy to buy off judges there. So no big deal. We'll go in international waters. We'll never have to worry
0: about it. Which goes back to the theory that you got to realize these are these are not kids that are from nothing necessarily. These people have got money. They, they come from some power and money to probably to get the job anyway, but certainly beyond that. you know, so they, they clearly are not people of no means. They, and I thought there needed to be one person in the group of guys that had something to lose, you know that really that had that was going to lose something to, to you know, they were working their way through and had worked their way into that class. But as it as it plays now, all of them are kind of the same. They all kind of grew up together because we're led to believe Bluey is Josh and Marcus's friend, you know, and Sean, of course, is Josh's brother. So you know they they've grown up the same places together. You know, there's nobody that is going through that struggle. But again, it's a 90 minute movie. They only got so much they're trying to do here. I guess I'm asking them to do too much. But I mean, gosh, they had to shoot a donkey (laughs) scene for goodness' sake. But uh, you know, so they're gonna toss Lisa in the deep. But Sean all of a sudden starts protesting you know that we shouldn't do it so i'm immediately going well he's going to die because in the horror movie the guy that is trying to do the right thing but goes along with the plan but ultimately tries to back out of it almost always dies except and i know what you did last summer but he's playing the role of ray and i know what you did last summer or julie in some ways
1: yeah well no other than he ends up actually being the one who does throw her over which i thought was interesting yeah,
0: he throws her over, but that's not enough because her body does not sink, you know. So Marcus has to go out there and ta- you know tie the, the anchor to her a little heavier, so she ultimately does sink away. And that was a really, I mean, that was a good looking shot. You know, I don't know how they got it or where they shot that, but that that looked pretty effective. There was something kind of there's something creepy about the water at night anyway, but the ocean. But you get a little bit away from the lights of that boat and it's just darkness.
1: Yeah. And I I like how they show the struggle of him trying to get the weight to her, because, I mean, this is going to sink her body. Right. So obviously it's going to sink him, too. So he's really struggling to get that wait on her and he ends up doing it. And I like what they did that the, the girls had run up to the controls and, and hit it into full throttle to try and get the boat away. And all of a sudden he turns around and he sees the, the jets coming at him, which could have chopped his head off, which I thought was interesting. And now he's got to hurry his ass up and get onto the boat. Otherwise he's going to be left
0: behind. Exactly. You know, as they get him back on the boat, of course he's pissed, but what that sets up for Marcus is that he's the strongest one of everybody in this boat. He can do, you know, he's the first mate. So we already knew he was in charge as it was. And he's also the most physically intimidating person on the boat now. So he, in some ways, is a threat and is a strength at the same time. Because they they get back up there and, of course, shut the boat down because, hey, thanks for trying to drown me, you know. And he finds Kim going through the stuff, you know, and Sean tries to tell Tammy to be level-headed and keep Kim under control. And I've just thought to myself, good luck with some Oh yeah, because at this point, Kim is just psycho.
1: Like she, which is understandable. She is total psycho. Like, what have you done? I'm going to kill you. You, I can't believe you've done this. Get me out of here. Take me back to the shore. You're in so much trouble. You know, she's going off the hilt.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. and, and, you know, then there becomes this discussion. They start to head back to port, and Bluey and Josh start talking, and Josh starts to think that they're all screwed. But actually Marcus is the action skipper, so legally he's one hundred percent liable. He's the one that's gonna be in the most trouble. And what I'm wondering is, this his is this his stress reaction, or are we supposed to buy this as this guy is actually incredibly evil. We just didn't see it. Is that the misdirect It's Lawrence?
1: interesting. I don't know. I don't know what the misdirect is. But you, you got, you got to think logically here. That doesn't make any sense. But maybe he's trying to convince. He's trying to convince Bluey, right? And maybe Bluey's not the smartest guy in the. On the boat, right? So maybe he'd buy that. But he's trying to convince him, you know, oh, we wouldn't be in trouble. I could kill you, but no big deal because Josh is, or Marcus is the one who's going to get in trouble because it's his boat and he needs to be in charge of everything that happens on it. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: right. Me it's a weird. We're, and and then, then we find out there, though, that Bluey didn't throw away the tape. Yeah. And I'm wondering, what is your game now, Bluey? Because you tell Josh, I've got the tape. I didn't throw the tape over. Right. And he immediately goes to Marcus. We don't see what they talk about, but you can just assume that he's like, hey, you're you know, the debt count up here is trying to sell you out to me. Yeah, and I've got. Exactly. The tape. And there you go.
1: Bluey, not the smartest guy. Josh misreads that because Bluey understands exactly what he's doing and says, sorry, buddy, but here's your evidence. And you're going down if we go back.
0: Okay. Now, the most inexplicable thing happens here, and I hope you can help me make sense of it. Because, again, two times through, and I didn't know why this next thing happens. They, Marcus goes back upstairs and resets the autopilot to take them back to deep sea. Then goes back downstairs and tells everybody, we got 45 minutes left on this trip, so everybody just play it cool why does he take them back to deep sea? What is he planning on doing? That's a
1: very good question. And I don't know because uh, they've already gotten rid of the body. They don't need to really be in international waters. My guess is that maybe he's now thinking of ways to cover it up and he wants to get rid of the other girls because he can trust, he can trust his boys to come up with a story. And there's no evidence that these
0: girls were ever on their boat. That's a good point. I mean, I, I, I thought that was a dark turn for Marcus to take, but it because they never explain why he turns the boat around. You know, it he's never around to do it. And of course Josh Outs bluey for the tape and the girls now know that there is a tape and it's all about everybody starts to do this group paranoia where they start believing the lie, you know? And if it's not, you know, we talked about Bluey being the instigator from the start of this, Brian, if it's not for him being such a jerk all the time at the dinner table, all I mean, they're sitting down to eat a sandwich and, you know, he's going, we're going to put it on YouTube, 50 bucks a pop and you know, all this. I and mean, he's being such a jerk about it. If he would shut up, the paranoia would set in and everybody would just go with the group, think hypnosis of we're going to buy the lie now, but because he keeps on with it, the girls snap back into reality.
1: Yeah. And, and it's interesting because like you said, they're, t- they're basically sitting around, they're eating bread. Cause I think that's the only thing they have on the ship. And they're deciding that if they eat, that'll help them calm down. They haven't eaten all day, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he's just, just being a complete ass about everything. And, and Tammy finally blows it and just, stabs him with the the knife they're using to cut the bread with it was quite interesting seeing it's like a multi it's
0: like a multi-tool right, a i've got one, one yeah. of those the lead, like a the knife yeah. and i mean she yeah yeah and she hits him like on the you know right below the collarbone right in the yeah, chest. right through the lungs so right. it's in a real net na- yeah a real nasty spot and he's bleeding and of course they start feeding him drugs i don't know what they're oh it's, co- up it's cocaine i'm I don't pretty know. sure yeah yeah is it coke well, why the hell would you give somebody that's freaking out cocaine? Cocaine intensifies. Yeah, viola. but it, you it, give them heroin it, it, because
1: it it <laughs> calms their nerves somewhat, and it also takes the pain away.
0: Okay, may, it may okay, and, well, and not everybody gets sense,
1: paranoid from it. There's other reactions, so maybe they already knew his reaction was not paranoia.
0: I. I- I guess I've just seen Scarface too many times <laughs> and what it did to Tony Montana. That uh, I should expect Bluey to go, Say hello, to my little friend. No. But because uh, he said every other day, I'm trying in the movie, so you might as well do that there's, too. There's many but reactions
1: people have to cocaine. Yeah. The paranoia is just one yeah. of them, and most people don't get that. <laughs> so I'm guessing <laughs> they knew he would it would either calm him, because some people can get calm from from cocaine, and other people, it, it takes the pain away. So that's what I think they were going for. <laughs>
0: Brian, I, I don't know if I'm more shocked by the donkey punch I've seen in this movie or the fact that you know this much about hey, cocaine. Uh, I'll explain. <laughs>
1: I just watched this awesome documentary on uh, the history channel. I think it was. It was either history channel or A&E called the between the lines, the war on cocaine. And they went into everything. They talked okay. to the drug dealers, the people okay. who've taken it for years and all this other stuff. And it was really cool because they would have, they had one guy who did get paranoid from it and they had him talking about it. and He did some cocaine while they're interviewing him and all of a sudden, he just all of a sudden flips out, and he's like, Did you hear that? And he opens what? the door and looks out the door. They're coming. I heard footsteps. They're coming. I heard footsteps. So you got to see that kind of reaction. But then there were others who were... T- well, anyway, it was, a whole, it was a cool documentary.
0: Well, see the, That's why I know. Well, th- what's funny, <laughs> though, is... Is is yeah. <laughs> well, what's funny though is Bluey doesn't have the the reaction. Everybody else does. And this is a movie that's uh, that the premise of it is you have this terrible thing that happens in a confined space in a place where you can't get to safety quickly. You know, that's the whole setup here, right? You're out right in the middle of the ocean on a boat, and something like this happens. What will you do? You know, and and when it all starts to just fall apart, you know, Tammy and Kim escape to topside, and they get on this life raft. To loose the boat away, and Tammy tries to fire off a uh, fire off a flare and fails. Well, she shoots it right she, through the water.
1: No, no, so, no. She tries to fire off a flare, and Kim's like, "What in the hell are you doing?" She didn't want them to see their position, so she actually knocks it down into the water so it won't get fired. Up. Oh, okay. She doesn't want the boys to come after them. They've tried to. They just got out of there and escaped. And then, obviously, she when she does try to do the flare, well, she notices they have no motor, which. Doesn't do yeah. him any good, but she still doesn't want yeah. the boys to come after him. She knows that if they see the flare, they'll come get them again. She'd rather take her chances on sea that someone will come rescue them than them come pick them up and risk whatever happens there.
0: And Kim's paranoia is not necessarily oh, wrong absolutely. there, because again, we're out in the yeah. Marcus has turned him out to sea, and we don't know why. We both have theorized that maybe he's going out there to throw them overboard too. He comes up there, and of course the the guys circle around and they catch up to the boat, and Marcus comes up with a shotgun. And he said, and I don't think he's going to shoot him, but he says something to the effect of, like, I'll shoot the boat out from underneath you. And Kim shoots a flare off into oh, him. Oh, man. And it, I mean, it hits him and then it springs and it shoots. That is a that is a gruesome, gruesome. Oh, yeah. Kill.
1: Yeah. It's, it, 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 right to the and, stomach. I think it was where she hit him. And yeah, that's yeah. it for him. He's gone. So now the toughest guy on the I mean, boat yeah, is yeah. dead.
0: Right. Oh, beyond that, beyond that, Brian, the de facto skipper is gone now, and there's something that happens at this point in the movie. There's, there's about 20 minutes left in this movie at this point, and the whole thing becomes this chaotic, frantic mess, and I don't know if that's a filmmaker choice, because that's what would happen when the skipper was gone, or if it's, again, the, the mark of a you know, low budget and, and a first time filmmaker, but I, I'm, I'm willing to give them the gimme that the script is paced to such that, I mean, it's like it hits overdrive. It's like the throttle is wide open now after Marcus dies because there's no one there to guide the ship anymore.
1: Well, and he, at this point, uh, you got bluey who's stabbed and, and hurting. You got Sean left and you got Josh left. And for the girls, you have Tammy and Kim uh, obviously is uh, still alive and now the boys are trying to to get them to calm down get on the boat come up with a story and they're not going for it so now it comes to the point where josh is going to try and play them against each other and he learns about the fact that tammy's ex-boyfriend was sleeping around on her and he lays down the thought that maybe the friends were sleeping with her boyfriend as well and kim's reaction basically says yes that happened
0: yeah well what a smart little move though i mean josh is a manipulative mm-hmm. little dude isn't he? for being a shy I mean, he guy really he is. sure
1: knows what he's doing
0: oh hey it's always the quiet ones you know that's the but no that's a horror trope though brian it's always the quiet ones that become the most sadistic in the time of peril the time of trouble, you know, I mean, you can see that. And you said it right. Bluey's bleeding to death and high. Josh likes the girls in the back of the bathroom and they turn on each other because he sets them against each other. He plays the Yoko factor on them. And he, Sean can't find the keys to the boat. Josh finds him and lies about it. Why? Is he planning to kill everybody at that point? Did you get that? Because I kind of thought he's just going to kill them. Oh, all yeah. Else. I think that's what he was doing. I mean, He, he
1: basically hid the keys. I think that what he's going to do is it's going to be he and Sean versus everyone else. Basically, they're going to find out where the tape is from Bluey. They're going to get rid of him. Right. Because they already know he's going to turn on them. They're going to get rid of the girls, and then it's just him and his brother, and they'll figure it out, and they'll be okay.
0: Right, because they're brothers. He figured the brothers could. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, as a plan, I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying it it would make sense logically. So he moves Bluey to the bathroom and closes the door, and I thought, uh uh-oh. I mean, we've already seen the gruesome flare death. This guy's been stabbed. This is about to go to the hostile Saw place where we start getting some real— torture and stuff. Tammy and Kim are trying to break the glass door out of the bathroom. Tammy gets all cut up and they show her poking glass out of her knee. And I was like, Oh, I mean, this movie has gotten decidedly graphic in the last third. I mean, it's, it's gross. Now, Josh keeps on and on about the tape and he keeps like playing with the knife Embedded in Bluey's, and it keeps tempting him with drugs. Before that
1: happens, so he basically asks Bluey where the tape is, and Bluey tells him it's under the bed. But bef- all the, while that is happening, you, like you said, Kim or uh, Tammy breaks out of the bathroom by going through the glass, and she's cut up. But she goes and gets the tape because she's also heard that it was under the bed. So she grabs the tape and then goes and hides. So Josh just comes in and looks all around for this tape. He cannot find it. So that's when he goes back to Bluey, and that's when the torture really begins. Because he was—he just started a little bit on Bluey to get him to say what the tape is, and he got him to say that. And he he didn't even torture him. He basically withheld the cocaine from him to get the advice. And once he finally gave it to him, he gave the cocaine, went off, and then it's not there. There is when the torture begins.
0: Yeah, he starts he starts like leaning on that knife, and and then he finally just yanks it out, and Blue just bleeds out and dies. And I thought, how how sadistic this dude is, and he's in total. I mean, he's totally washed over at this point. This different look in his eyes, and he goes after Tammy because he knows well she must be the one that has the tape. So he's going after her now. And that's when Kim gets the shotgun and marches his him upstairs because she sees the keys in his pocket, and is like, "Get go turn the boat on." So of course he goes upstairs and cranks the boat up again, and that you know, and it's basically Kim and Josh upstairs, and now Tammy goes downstairs to try and who's find locked someone, in the engine room by the way? Him. Yeah, yeah, they've locked. Yeah, Josh has locked him in the engine room. So, so
1: again, maybe he's turning Tammy on his brother now to too. We don't even know. But it looks like that way.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody's out for themselves, it looks like, at this point. Even the girls aren't really in it with each other at this point, you know. So, of course, Josh overpowers Kim. Not, didn't take a lot. Got the gun from her, goes after Tammy, and Sean intervenes and gets the gun. And there's this big argument going on. Of course, Kim sees this or hears this, actually. And she just sees Sean with the shotgun and she grabs the little boat motor, cranks it up. And and just dices him, and I thought this is straight out of a saw movie. Now they have just gone there, and I I know that's a small motor, okay? But there's no way that little woman, I, I she did it. I mean, they did all their own stunts, so I guess she did it. But I had a hard time believing that. I'd have bought it more if she like grabbed an axe and went in there swinging it. But I guess they wanted to go for something gruesome, and it is gruesome because she cuts his head. Oh off
1: yeah, her. she she dices him up pretty good. I mean, he is uh, fairly unrecognizable after that, and oh. Just gruesome, and of course, Josh is just like, "Oh my God, what did, you, what did you, That's my brother. What'd you do?" And so now you're like, "Oh, so this is it. Now we got the girls versus the versus Josh, and that's it. That's what's left here. Just unreal."
0: But but, but it's not, because Kim knows that her impetuous, almost self-destructive nature has now pushed her over the line. She's committed murder you know which is something she cannot abide in herself so she goes upstairs to the back of the boat tammy follows her crying you know she stands up on the back of the boat and she just falls backwards into the deep into the churning motors below and and essentially kills herself in the in the wake and i mean how did you like that i thought that was a weird way for yeah, her to yeah i didn't
1: out. understand why she would just commit suicide like that after what she did I guess you know the self-conscious takes over there and then that, that was her retribution for what she did but it was definitely not what I expected
0: like can, can I tell you how I would have bought that if if she had gone out there for with the motor and had maybe hit Sean in the arm or something but caused the gun to go off and kill her friend the, the other girl then I would have bought that she might have committed suicide but Killing one of these guys who mean nothing to her, I don't get why that sets her over. I know why it has to happen. They have to get the character off the boat, and they don't want anybody to kill her. But I would have bought that more. But like I said at the beginning, you can't kill Tammy because she's already damaged, so therefore she's impervious.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting, that's for sure. So now we are left here with just two people left, Josh and Tammy, the shy guy versus the reluctant girl.
0: Well, the shy, the shy guy who's plotting to the kill shy guy who's
1: psychotic and save
0: man. his own yeah. tail, yeah, who's gone, who's gone overboard completely, and the girl who didn't want to be there to begin with, who says the line of "just get me off this boat now, I don't care where we are, I don't care where we're going." Now, let me ask you this: Have they ever turned the boat back around? Not to my knowledge, or is it just still sailing? Not to out my to knowledge, they that? haven't done anything. Okay, I don't remember them doing it either. Yeah, yeah, they they shut it down and then they started it back up. So for all I know, it's still heading out to sea, you know. And they, they're getting on the life raft, and I saw Tammy grab the tape. She throws it in a little waterproof container, and then when they're getting the life raft, she grabs the mooring rope that she helped Sean untie earlier in the, the movie. You know, So she's grabbed that, and I'm going, what are you doing? Yeah,
1: I didn't that? expect what she ended up doing. I thought she was maybe going to jump off the boat with the tape and use that to get her back to the yacht and leave him out far enough where he probably couldn't get there. I did not expect what happened.
0: That's it. apparently there are multiple versions of the ending and this one was the one they decided to go with because it's more satisfying like the script had you know a lot of the script endings had Josh surviving but they just felt like he couldn't survive because if he ever got to back to mainland with her he'd either kill her or slip away from it and blame it on her or whatever but of course he pulls a knife on her and, and demands that she throw the tape overboard you know once again this tape has become the central of everything in this movie and she tosses it where he has to go and grab it and as he's doing it she throws the mooring rope around his neck he drops the tape and the boat is is hooked to this rope and it yanks him off the boat snapping his neck and dragging him out to sea all she's left in this life raft out in the middle of the ocean and and then she sets off a flare and just stares up at the sky just hoping for something and my thought is what are you going to tell everyone happened you got the tape that shows your friend getting killed but that's all it's right right so what do you what are you going yeah, to do? Yeah, I didn't
1: understand. Uh, I wanted to know what ended up happening in the end to, after this, but they kind of left it open for interpretation, I guess. But I agree. I was wondering, what is she going to get accomplished here? Is she going to claim that someone went all psycho on the boat and blame it on someone else? or Which, I mean, really did happen, but they all went psycho on the, on the boat. But, uh, yeah, we yeah, never I mean, really find yeah. out what came of it. And I kind of wanted to know, even as weird as this movie was, I I really did want to know what happened to her in the end.
0: Yeah, I was I was curious. I'm like, is she coming back for Donkey Punch 2, the reckoning? Or yeah, or what? Gorgeous. I I wanted to know what was gonna happen. Because you know, a thriller trope is that you always leave it hanging, that you don't fill in the court case and all the stuff that happens at the end, the stuff that, you know, or makes up you know the majority of the lifetime movies. But that's the story I wanted to tell because I felt like I had gone on all of this. I wanted to see her back safe. Because here's what's gonna happen to that boat. It's gonna go out into international waters and the Coast Guard is gonna hail it and nobody's gonna answer it. And they're going to sink it. So, if there is any evidence left on that boat, and they're going to notice it, they may never notice the man, you know, dragging behind it because the sharks will get that. There's no evidence of any of these other people. Sean will be drowned with the boat, you know, Mar- yeah, as will Bluey. Marcus is gone. Lisa is gone. Kim is gone. Josh is gone. <laughs> There's nothing left to corroborate this woman's story. And. I, it did leave me a little unsatisfied. I know you don't get those answers in a thriller, but I don't feel like they filled in enough of the gaps for me to give them this. Like I wanted to know what I wanted to see her get picked up by some something, a fishing boat coming by something. But we get nothing. We get credits black and that's it. And, uh, you know, I even watched it to the end waiting for like that scene, you know, and there, there was nothing. There was nothing there. Well, Brian, we're at the point of the podcast where we give our final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn rating for the film. So what are yours for Donkey Punch?
1: Well, it's a, it was definitely an interesting film. Uh, there was a lot of gore to it, mostly in the second half of the movie. First half was a lot of setup to what was going to happen. But the second half really turned into kind of a, a gory slasher type flick, which I thought was... I wasn't actually expecting that. I, I don't know if you were or not, but... Uh, I didn't go in thinking that all was going to happen. Um, I, I did feel unfulfilled at the end, like you were saying. I would like to have known what kind of came about of it, or at least have seen her get rescued by the guard. Uh, and maybe we don't know what happens after that, but at least get her seen getting rescued. We don't even know if she ever got picked up. She could be sitting there in the middle of the ocean floating, for all we know. And so I kind of wanted to get a little closure on that. But overall, there was enough in the movie to be entertaining And so for me i'm giving it a medium popcorn
0: brian i can sum up my experience with this movie much like lisa did when she looks at bluey and says so what's in it for the girl you know what's in it for us to go through the 99 minutes that this is and the only conclusion i can come to is a lot of stymied climax honestly it leads you right up to the point of being really good and then it fails on, on almost every level. This movie will get right to the precipice on almost anything that it's doing. And then it lets you down. And that's why I can't really give this much more than a medium popcorn. And I mean, it's the Sunday afternoon matinee leftover from the weekend medium popcorn. You know, it's, it's not real good for you. And it won't last with you long. But it's okay. There's enough here that in the hands of maybe a more experienced director, or even maybe this director a few years down the line with more of a budget and more of a cast that can do a little broader range. not Nothing against the actors. I think they did okay with what they had, but maybe a little tightening on the script. This could work, but ultimately it's cr- incredibly unsatisfying. Kind of like Lisa surmises there. Um, for her point of view. So medium popcorn for me, but it's, it's not a strong medium. So as far as seeing this one, folks, I mean, if you're like Brian and you're able to see it for free, by no means, should you ever pay for it? If you can see it for free legally, um, or if you rent it for a buck, I, I don't think you're going to be totally wasted on it. Um, but it's, I wouldn't go out of my way to try to find it either, folks. It's, it's okay, but it's, it's not great. I'm curious to see if this Ollie Blackburn guy does anything else along these lines, if he's able to come up with another one.
1: Well, I, And I'm curious to find out if uh, something like a donkey punch is really that big of a deal overseas. To make well, a movie, I apparently out
0: of? Apparently or so because time? I watched the making of part on the D V D and several of the actors say, Oh yeah, I've heard of this and they say they all heard it from their American friends. And it would be the ki- but this kind of movie, this kind of movie apparently over there is something they all like to go see. Like young twenty somethings are into this kind of taut mix of a thriller, sex, romp, you know type of lecherous, you know, young lad movie. This is something they all dig. So over there, yeah, over there, I mean, it did quite well. For an independent film, I mean, it it made dough. I mean, the studio never goes into these kind of things they're going to make a lot off this movie they made enough to feel like giving these guys another job was worth it and everything you saw from the you know the producer side of it was how thrilled they were with how it came out because they thought it looked fantastic i mean this was a three-week shoot and all the actors talk about it was a lot of fun but by the end of it they were literally exhausted and almost insane from it because apparently the the pace of it was pretty rough on them so I don't know. Be curious to see if any of these people ever make it over here. Um, You know, I haven't seen any of them in much of anything. I think Jilly Morris has been in some stuff uh, over here with small parts, indeed, but uh, nothing major. But, uh, I mean, none of them have hit Leprechaun 2 yet or anything like that. So, uh, you know, we don't know how good (laughs) they are, but uh, we'll find out soon. You know, Brian, you teased it in the opening there. We're going to be doing some thriller, scare kind of stuff for October. You want to tease the audience a little bit? Tell them what we got coming up the rest of the month for them.
1: Oh, it's going to be exciting. This is your first foray into what we're going to do for October here, but we're going to do also Jay and, uh, someone new to our team, Nick, are going to take a look at the Blair Witch project. So we got the Blair Witch one, which will come out, uh, on the 14th of October. And we got the Blair Witch two, which will come out on the 21st. And then for Halloween, just in time, we're going to revisit our favorite little green (laughs) leprechaun and we're going to, we're going to review leprechaun Two for everyone because Leprechaun one was just <laughs> too awesome what? to call it at a. Have, at Ron, a we
0: both give it a small popcorn? I don't know what would you call awesome, <laughs> but uh, well, you know Yeah, but you know what? I can't think <laughs> of a better way for our crew here at Filmstrip to launch into the Halloween season, if you will, the horror season, the thriller season. You know, we decided we were going to do these. Look, all the standard issue horror films, Halloween films, stuff like that, have been done to death by a lot of other podcasts. Why do that? Why not do things that are a little bit different? Blair Witch 1 and 2, I mean, I don't think anybody remembers Blair Witch 2, but, but Blair Witch, that's been a long time. I mean, it's been 12 years since that movie hit. I'm, I'm curious to revisit that because I've seen that movie exactly one time. So I, I'm, I'm interested to do that one again. Nick is coming in with us. Our newest member to the team. And then, like I said, you and I are going to go back to Leprechaun 2 because there were unanswered questions that we must have answers to. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and we're going <laughs> to exactly. get there. But that's what we got coming <laughs> up in October for you folks here on Filmstrip. We sure enough appreciate you listening to our review of Donkey Punch. And you can check out our other reviews in the archive section of our website continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. Hey, if you're a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, slip over to our Buffy site and check out Brian and I and our reviews of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series. We're almost through three entire seasons of that. Tons of episodes there for you to listen to for your downloading pleasure. We certainly appreciate your support. Until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to Filmstrip. It's proper hardcore. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Film Strip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Donkey Punch, starring Robert <laughs> <Baldwin>. <laughs> Did we get through the. <laughs>
1: what? Just the fact that we're talking about Donkey Punch. That's just <laughs> too funny.
0: <Okay. sighs> Sorry, i first line. Uh, oh, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, I'm good.